Astronomy Cast, episode 658, Space Exploration Horror Stories. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane, the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years. With me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, happy Halloween today. Happy Halloween. And you know what tomorrow is? November 1st. It's New Book Day. New for you. Yes, I, I have a book coming out. And, and my publishers amused me to no end in a very sick and sad and twisted way because they're like, hey, we, we're starting to see all the influencers' pictures out there of your book. And I don't have a copy of my book to show you right now because they only sent copies to influencers. Right. And I'm not enough of an influencer to get a copy of my book. Of your own book. Of my own book. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So it's available for pre-order. Yeah, the publisher will come to you. We did this as well. And they're like, where do you want to send these books? And so I gave them a big list of all the people who I thought could help amplify the message. But in many cases, they're getting copies of the book in their hands before you get a copy of your own yeah. book. And they're like, Yo, thanks for sending me the new book, Fraser. I'm like, you should tell me what it's like. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All I've seen are, are the pre-press. Well, congratulations. What is the book? It, it's called The Moon. Mm-hmm. Great title. Yeah. Uh, it's a kid's book, so we kept everything super simple. Uh, it looks at uh, how we see the moon, what we see about the moon, the history of exploring the moon, and how today's kids are really going to be tomorrow's citizens of whatever lunar bases we end up building. So we're basically giving little kids a heads up on how big, hopefully, they will dream and just tell them to dream as big as they can. And here's some scientific information to dream with. Wow. Congratulations. Awesome work. Now, we're recording this episode on Halloween. So how could we resist but to take advantage of this opportunity? I mean, space is already terrifying enough, you know, with the vast, endless emptiness, the incomprehensible mysteries, and the uncaring coldness. But here are some scary stories to spook it up a notch. All right, Pamela, uh, this is a classic Pamela chosen episode. What, how, how do you want to tackle this? You've got some, give us some scary stories. Well, why, why don't we start by looking at the weird stuff that astronauts have seen and heard and, and try and explain exactly what it was. Uh, okay. Does, does that work for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Tell me when. So, so Apollo 10. Apollo 10 is going to crop up more than once in this episode. <laughs> right. Apollo 10 starts out, and I have no idea why this didn't happen to Apollo 8, but Apollo 10 reported that as they flew around the dark side of the moon, the far side of the moon. It's not actually dark. It's just what we don't see it. Right. They heard this super weird whistling spacey music. What? Yeah. Yeah. And 
on and they came around the 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 earth facing side and they're talking to the ground again and and this was a bit disconcerting so they're on the on the far side of the moon yeah. completely blocked from uh-huh. any radio communications that could be coming from the earth there should be no way that they could even be picking up radio waves from planet earth right and there's this whistling music that sounds like what someone who didn't have a theremin but was trying really hard would create <gasps> if they were like trying to create space music. And any guesses as to what it just might have been? I mean, I'm guessing that that was the first time. Well, no, I mean, they would have been in the shadow of the Earth because they would have orbited around the Earth a couple of times. And then, and then they went out to the moon. So I'm guessing somehow they were in the shadow of the moon, but I don't know what, and something metal, some part of the, the spacecraft was creaking and groaning. What was it? So, so they actually have these really good recordings of it. And, and it's this, it's coming off the radios. It turns out they were hearing in the absence of signals from earth, they were hearing some sort of electric noise in the radio components that, that was what we now have is this classic radio noise from space, this whistling across all the different frequencies of hearing, not of the radio, but they heard it coming out of the radio. And so hearing this weird whistling music was apparently extremely creepy. They warned future missions to be prepared for this. Future missions said, we are so grateful you warned us because that was super creepy. And so it turns out that outer space itself will make radios sing and it is creepy. But not spooky, just creepy. And is it because they were blocked from the Earth that they were? Yeah. That this was happening, huh? Because normally you don't hear any of that because the signals from Earth are are keeping everything occupied. Mm-hmm. The gain isn't trying to ramp itself up. I kind of ima- like I'm, I'm sort of imagining a situation where you've got somebody who's on a microphone. And it's a bad microphone and the software behind it, they're quiet. And so the software is like searching, seeking for sound yeah. and it just cr- keeps cranking the gain and cranking the game until it just starts making these weird noises coming out of their microphone. And then when they speak again, then, then the, the, the sound comes back to normal and then they're quiet and then the gain cranks up again. That's really, that is, un, that would be really scary. I got to say, and yeah, I can see why yeah. the future, the future Apollo astronauts were like, thanks for letting us know because yeah. that would have been unnerving. Like you can imagine yeah. this is like a horror movie that they're in space floating around. They go behind the far side of the moon and then suddenly the radios come on and you hear, hear this weird sound coming out of the radio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nicely done. That's a good story. It, it's it's quite excellent. Yeah. And, and it had a reasonable explanation. But, I mean, there's lots of things that have reasonable explanations. But when you're first experiencing them and you don't know those explanations, you kind of want to go hide under your bed. But if you're on an Apollo capsule, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. And the noise was coming from inside the capsule, like the phone <laughs> call coming from inside the house. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. What else you got? 
So, so Story Musgrave is the poor guy. There are stories all over the internet reporting that Story Musgrave saw a couple of meter to several meter long snake or eel that was white and swimming through space. And, and some of these reportings go on to say that while you might blame it on being a hose or something, Story Musgrave, who is the most educated of all of our astronauts, yeah. reported that, no, it was an alien-looking eel or an... No, even he, in, in, uh, in an interview with James Oberg for Omni Magazine, said, yeah... It really looks like there was an eel. And then guess what he said next? But I knew it couldn't be, right? He didn't quite say that. He went on to say that it was probably a lost seal, a lost hose, something that came off of another spacecraft. Because when you're in space, you do see other things zipping past. He said that he was actually able to see the mirror when it was 28 miles away at one point. Wow. And... So he probably, he thinks, just saw some sort of a seal or hose that was in an orbit similar enough to the space shuttle that it seemed to be tracking the space shuttle swimming along the side. And just the the thermo conditions of space, the leftover energy from whatever it had that sent it into space caused it to just appear to wiggle and swim, which is creepy enough, even when you know what it is. So he was looking out the window and then yes. some object, yes, probably human-made debris, was on a similar orbit to the space station, or sorry, to the, to the space shuttle. I yeah. mean, that almost feels like it could have been like something... I mean, it it wouldn't be like an upper stage because the shuttle doesn't have an upper stage exactly. Like the shuttle, and and it was long and a couple. It was main... long and skinny. So, yeah, I, I'm just sort of thinking like if it could be something related. I'm sure people have been been obsessing about what this could possibly be for decades. Um, and he saw it on more than one mission. Oh, okay. Now it's getting now <laughs> yeah. it's getting weird. All right. He's, and and uh, have any other astronauts reported this? Not specifically, just story. And he's seen this multiple times. But we also don't know if he's the only one that was, like, peering out yeah. that long. And, and so, yeah. Now I wonder if it's, if he needs to get his, you know, needed to get his eyes checked. <laughs> parasites in well, his eyes or something that that is definitely something rather grotesque to consider but i'd rather think that he just had the misfortune of being on similar orbits more than once with the same seeing space is big and seeing the I same know. thing multiple times that seems pretty uh that seems pretty ludicrous to me all right. Well, we're going to talk about some more stuff in a second, but it's time for a break. <laughs> and now for a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. We live in a stressful world. There are days when I open social media or the news, close social media or the news, and just go eat ice cream. This isn't the most adult way of handling our world of 
plagues and war and cuts to science funding. But some days we all need help. And sometimes that help needs to be more substantial than a carton of Ben and Jerry's. As I've discussed before, partway into the pandemic, I was really struggling. And late one night while listening to podcasts, I heard a message like this one, offering its own 10% the first month if I wanted to click over to find a therapist to provide me the help I needed. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic. No endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash astronomy. That's betterhelp.com slash astronomy. And we're back. All right. There you go. Someone in the chat just said that someone got toilet paper stuck under their boot on the way to an EVA. That sounds right. A piece of toilet paper out in space. That sounds exactly what you would be seeing. All right. What else you got? So, so we have all the weird things that astronauts saw and heard. Uh, there was a Chinese astronaut who perceived what seemed to be knocking on the outside door while he was in space. Uh, Wait, yeah, he was, well, he was yeah. on the station and he heard something knocking on the outside of the station? He was in a capsule. Or... Okay. This was back in 2003, pre-station. So you have Chinese astronaut in a capsule going around the Earth and here's what sounds just like someone knocking on the door. And this freaked the poor guy out enough that he actually, like, edged up to the door and looked outside, and there was nothing to be seen. Right. And other, other taikonauts have reported the same experience. Mm. And he didn't, like, open the door oh, to see who was? Dude. No, <laughs> you don't do that when there's vacuum outside. That's just a bad idea. Again, this now is starting to feel like it's a, like a space horror story where someone just keeps hearing the knocking and then they just go like, fine, and they open up the door and then they're sucked out into space. And it turns out it was just a, a piece of metal clanking against the outside of the spacecraft. So that's some Solaris stuff right there. But yeah, in reality, yeah. they suspect it was a heating and cooling, uh, just like your, your oven sounds like it's knocking. Uh, that in all likelihood it was the space capsule's thermal cycling was causing what sounded mm-hmm. like knocking on the door. And yeah. since multiple capsules all shared the same design, you would expect multiple astronauts to have this same disturbing experience. So I get that happening here. So our our place is, has a metal roof and metal sides and yeah. so has all kinds of thermal expansion and contraction and there will be times where i'll hear sounds right outside the front door and i'll open up the front door and go take a look and there's nothing and it's just the building (laughs) itself creaking and groaning and contracting and expanding in various changing temperatures but it 
it never you never get over it. I don't know. Right. There's, like, there's got to right. be like there's got to be something human, deeply human, about being attuned to those kinds of sounds and always it always setting your hackles on edge. Yeah. Our house has steam radiators that ping and hiss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. The same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, so loud. Very cool. And then there's the creepy thing every single astronaut experiences. Can you guess? Uh you close your eyes. Oh yeah, of course, of course, cosmic rays on their eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. So so this can't be something that they were prepared for. The the astronauts had the misfortune of just being in space and you close your eyes for the darkness of sleep and you keep getting these bright flashes coming at you randomly in different places in your vision. And it it's just flashes of high energy particles working to uh, act damage on your retina, and um, yeah, yeah, just like you get cosmic rays on CCD images, you can get them on your eyeballs. Right, and so you're out there in space. You're less protected by the magnetosphere of the Earth, and these cosmic rays are impacting your retina the cells in your retina and are causing flashes to be triggered to your brain. And you're actually taking eye damage as this is happening. And so this is almost like the opposite. Like the experience would be kind of cool that you would be seeing these flashes (laughs) as you, as you have your eyes closed. But the understanding of what is actually happening is the part that's really deeply unnerving that, that you are suffering and that, and those are just your retinas. Like, like you're getting hit across your entire body, your brain, your bones, your blood, your, your organs. Every part of your body is getting cosmic rays going through it. It's just you can only see the ones that are going through your retina. I, I somehow feel like the first time you experience it, it's more creepy to see it than understand it in that one moment. But after that first moment... The understanding is creepier, but initially, initially. Yep. That would be, that would be my concern is just like if, when you go to space, the clock is ticking and your body is wearing down the various damages that are happening. You're losing your muscle mass. You're losing your bone mass. Your fluids are redistributing. Your eyesight is getting worse. You're getting increased radiation damage. I don't think I could think about anything else. Like I know for a lot of people like, Oh yeah, I want to go to space. It's going to be so exciting. But for me going to space would be like, start the clock. You are now in the death zone. Like when you're climbing Mount Everest. So that's, that's, that would just be, it would be just, and that's why I did my intro at the beginning. Like just space itself is deeply (laughs) terrifying. Just at a baseline. All right. See, so I'm freaked right out. Keep going. <laughs> so, so I think your, your, your comment on death from space is an excellent segue into the next thing that I did some Googling on. And I have to say, I found 
some of the creepiest wrong information on the internet. Not that that should surprise absolutely anybody. <laughs> yeah. So what what I was trying to find out was I I wanted to find out if there's any information on how you deal with dead bodies in space. It seemed appropriate mm. for this particular episode. And somewhere along the path from what actually happened to what got written, the story became that there are mummified dead animals in orbit that get seen by astronauts. What? Again, space is big. I know. And, and this is where I feel the need to take a moment to step back and debunk. Okay. So first of all, yes, there have been a ton of animals that have died in space for various reasons, whether it be they were laboratory animals on the International Space Station that got sent back after being euthanized in space, got sent back through the atmosphere and burned up in the atmosphere, uh, or or they were early animals from uh, early attempts at rocket flight where the animals didn't make it back to Earth, but eventually those capsules also burnt up in the atmosphere. Any critter that has died in space has either been brought back to Earth and studied in a laboratory or has been burnt up in the atmosphere. So, so to all of you who, like me, go and click on every one of these spookiest things in space headlines that are out there this glorious time of the year, understand that when they say space is filled with mummified dead animals, there may be one or two things out there that just managed to not come back down through the atmosphere yet. I have not been able to find documentation either direction. But things right. don't stay in low Earth orbit forever, so... For more than a couple of years. And anyways, yeah. the animals aren't free-floating, mummified death. Okay. So is that a scary story, I guess? It's a scary story if you don't know the truth and time was needed. I mean, like, can you imagine you're a little kid, like the one reading my book that comes out tomorrow, that that is is trying to google about what do astronauts see and they find an article saying that astronauts in suborbital space flights see mummified dead animals that's that's kind of right. disturbing right and the reality is is that plenty of animals have died in space they've just all burned up in the atmosphere or brought back down for further experimentation in cargo vessels yeah. 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 And yeah. that no no human body has ever gone to space. Or no, there are no human there are no human remains orbiting right now. But there as as will be. Like when you think about the Apollo missions, you know, I'm sure you've read that speech. Yeah. That Nixon yeah, was going to give Nixon's. if the astronauts fail if, if some if their lander failed to take off again, and so the astronauts would just be stuck on the moon, and then they would die of lack of oxygen. Um, and so right now, and there's lots of spacecraft that have failed and are now floating in deep space. We don't know where they are, but so far no humans have done that. But there will be a time when it will happen, and there will be people 
out there in space, yeah. dead. And I just want to put the caveat on this of as far as we know, because there are other nations that launch rockets, mm-hmm. and 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 there have always been unconfirmed rumors. Mm. But that's it. No one's ever been able to confirm them, and and you you can't really hide things orbiting the planet. Yeah, did they go so, beyond low Earth orbit? Like, did they send no. a? Did the Russians the, send a cosmonaut off to Mars? They did send turtles around the moon, and those came back safe. Okay. All right. All right. So I just. Do you so, have time for one more? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. So uh, you get you get choose well, one more. That's all we have time for. All right. So so NASA doesn't have a a. Uh, public, this is what we do with dead bodies procedure. But Chris Hadfield reported that uh, they have to go through contingency simulations where they pretend to be killed. So they take turns offing the different astronauts in these contingency sims and running through the how does this get handled? And the question of what do you do with the body is one of the things that always gets left unanswered when you ask an astronaut. But when you ask an engineer, a possible solution is brought up, which is you stick the astronaut in a body bag, you put them in space so they essentially freeze dry really fast. Then you use the robotic arm to shake the bejesus out of that so they break into a million pieces, take up less room, you bring them on board, and then you figure out what to do. Whoa. Um... So there is a, there's a book, there's a book that, that they have on the International Space Station. It's this 1000 page book about medicine and they list all of the things that they're supposed to do. Like what if they have a cavity? What if somebody has their appendix rupture and so on? But I haven't looked through it to see what to do in case of death. I wonder if it's in there. It must be. There must be rules in there on what to do in the case of death. Every article I found said that the, that NASA does not have a standard procedure for dead bodies. So yeah. that may simply be that, that none of the journalists dug hard enough. And this is one of those times when there's no publicly available procedure. Um, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm sure it exists. Yeah. Training manual. Okay. I will look, I will look for it. Now now I want to dig into it. Um, all right. Well, this has been, I hope, uh, appropriately spooky and scary for everyone. And so when you are contemplating the existential horror of an uncaring cosmos, you can take a moment to think about even scarier things on this hallowed eve. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you to all of our patrons out there who you are really the ones that we count on to keep the show going week after week, year after year. This week, I would like to thank in particular uh, Corrine Dimtruck, Tim Garrish, Benjamin Davies, Bart Flaherty, Brian Kelby, Dean, Arctic Fox, uh, Nyla, Lou Zealand, Jordan Turner, uh, Lee Harborn, Jason Cardukas, Ron Thurston, Robert Hundle, Kim Barron, Vitali, Paul Esposito, 
Arthur Latzhall, Frank Stewart, Ganesh Swarmanthathon, Bob Zatzi, The Lonely Sand Person, Reuben McCarthy, Time Lord Iron, Daniel Donaldson, Ian Abdelia, and Jeff McDonald. And, and if you're on the fence about becoming part of our Patreon community, and I'm hoping you are because the percentage of you that are part of our Patreon community is one of those things that I, I often find myself raising my eyebrow at. If you find yourself on the fence about joining, well, we are about to start uh, posting uh, audio without any advertisements at all for our patrons over on patreon.com nice. slash astronomycast. So you can get all of our episodes ad-free if you join our Patreon. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you, Razor. Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com slash astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.